is hugely significant. And I don't see us ever going back to the way it was. I mean, face-to-face is never going away and you know it will be a preferable way of dealing with people. But what this last 18 months has given us is the opportunity to actually demonstrate what is possible without you know these traditional conferences. Curious to know what industry-leading marketers are looking to achieve in the ever-evolving digital landscape? The How Agencies Thrive podcast by StackAdapt is dedicated to helping the new breed of forward-thinking, savvy, lean, and mean marketers win in the rapidly evolving digital landscape. Time to thrive. Without conferences and business travel happening in the last 18 months, B2B marketers have had to shift their focus to other strategies like demand generation and account-based marketing. In this episode, we're joined by Rob Bridgens from Reflect Digital and Brandon Langevin from StackAdapt to discuss how B2B has embraced digital marketing tactics and how marketers can thrive in this new landscape. Now, I really like this episode because it's interesting to see not only how significant the pandemic has been in transforming this vertical, but how certain unprecedented roadblocks led the entire industry to innovate and develop new solutions that will benefit digital marketing for years to come. As always, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode of the How Agencies Thrive podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. My name is Matt Everett. I'm the host of the How Agencies Thrive podcast, and I'm also the Education and Development Manager at StackAdapt. Today, I'm joined by Rob Bridgens, the head of paid media at Reflect Digital, and Brandon Langevin, a sales director at StackAdapt. As a tradition with every episode of the podcast, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of our guests before jumping into the questions. So starting with you, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about Reflect Digital, what you do as head of paid media, how long you've been in the industry, and what you consider to be your strongest area of expertise. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I'm the the head of of, of paid media at Reflect Digital. Um, we are an agency that specialises in digital advertising, digital marketing. Um, so uh, I I head up obviously the paid side of things, but we also have a specialist team on the organic side. Our sort of area of specialism is really looking at applying. Uh, psychology and, and human behavior to, to marketing. I've been in the industry myself for about 11 years. Um, I've been with Reflect Digital for almost six of those. Um, and personally, my area of specialism is within uh, paid search, specifically sort of Google and Microsoft, and the use of um, remarketing um, within the uh, display space. Perfect. Thanks, Rob. Well, we're very happy to have you on the episode. Uh, Brandon, I'll pass it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Matt. And thanks, Rob. Uh, my name is Brandon Langevin, and I'm a sales director at StackAdapt. And I've been here for about four and a half years now and have gone through a number of roles within the organization from when we were you know, a really small niche DSP of about 35 people all the way to where we are now. And in my current role, I would say it's split pretty evenly across uh, a variety of responsibilities, but a major part of it is helping with uh, media strategy and execution across some of our key accounts with a wide variety of verticals. That being said, 
StackAdapt, uh, myself and, and the broader team have had a lot of exposure to uh, running B2B campaigns within the digital media world. And it's been an interesting almost two years now of seeing how to adjust to more of a digital first and, and remote uh, marketing plan for B2B organizations. And yeah, I'm excited to, to chat a little bit more about it today. So as mentioned in this episode, we're talking about all things B2B. So that includes how the shift to remote work has impacted marketing efforts, tactics that have been successful over the last year, trends in account-based marketing, and overall what the future looks like for this vertical. So to kick things off, I want to ask both of you at the beginning of the pandemic. So Brandon, as you mentioned, it's almost been two years. How did you think the shift to working remotely would impact B2B marketing? So I think, you know, right away, um, there was a lot of uncertainty about what the future of our industry would look like, especially in the early weeks and months of adjusting to, uh, you know, a new working life with, with COVID-19. But some of the immediate you know, indications that our marketing strategies and, and programmatic execution would change within the B2B space was that, first of all, there's no longer going to be any in-person conferences. Um, obviously, a big part of a lot of strategies is geofencing and, and creating audience-based tech um, and segments for conferences and, and people attending you know, different events and targeting them afterwards. So Right away, um, we were seeing you know a big loss of qualified users to then activate within you know, a broader space after the fact. I think that was definitely an adjustment for not just us, but everybody within the B2B space that we would work with. And then secondly, with everybody working in an online capacity and no longer having the ability to meet people in person or get to know people over conferences and live presentations, obviously our strategy uh, when executing B2B campaigns had to adjust as well with being able to more accurately identify the right users for a variety of B2B campaigns and engage with them entirely remotely uh, without any you know peer-to-peer human interaction. So it took it took a little while for you know the industry as a whole to catch up to that. but I would say as of now we're, we're in a pretty good place. Yeah, I would echo that last sentiment there. like at the beginning, we believed it was going to have a terrible impact. Um, a lot of our clients at the time, obviously, they had no idea of what to expect. So they were contacting us to ask for pauses on contracts and, you know, just until the, the dust settled. And, um, you know, that was something that we, you know, we granted to everyone that asked for it um, because, you know, we want to support people for the long term. And thankfully, it only took a month or two to really kind of see where the shift was going to be. And I think the flexibility that we gave to clients at that beginning point really, really helped us in the long term. Because once the dust had settled, it was really clear that there was going to be lots of pots of budget opening up that were previously earmarked for those in-person events, uh, like you were just saying. And, um, and suddenly we had clients coming back who were you know looking to test new things that they wouldn't have ever done before because that money would have been pegged away um and more importantly um where you know if face to face meetings were difficult to organize we were actually winning new business off of word of mouth 
based on like the good relationships that we had um, we had fostered by giving that flexibility at the beginning. So whilst at the very beginning we we thought it was going to be doom and gloom, we ended up with you know it's been our best eighteen months ever. You know we had quarter after quarter of of best earnings. We've won awards for clients. So it's actually turned out to be one of the best things that happened for us as an agency, as horrible as it is to say that that came out of, you know, a global pandemic. Um, but um, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of companies have tried new new B2B strategies that ne- they never would have done. That's interesting that both of you say that there was this big shift from having that face-to-face time with clients because I know for a lot of businesses that are operating in the B2B space, that's really important, especially when you're building those early relationships or you know meeting people at conferences or trade shows or things like that. So I'm interested to know in terms of tactics that uh, you either use within your agency or uh, observed in the industry. You know, what did you see that was really successful and what were some things that were tried that didn't necessarily work out and that you learned from? There was obviously, as I was saying, a lot of new things being tried. Um, and some of that was not necessarily new to us as an agency, but for our clients, them suddenly having that sort of budget financial flexibility um, for us to actually carry out discovery research. Because um, everyone you know, wants to have everything all their all their ducks in a row before you start any campaign, but that is not always a luxury that you have. But yeah, we were able to 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 work with clients, really take a um, sort of zoom out and look at things in a holistic way, uh, look at the whole marketing mix, uh, and then identify you know which channels were actually working and which we should move with, how we can um, make those you know both paid and organic side of things work together better, and. As I said in the intro, one thing that we really try and uh, work on as a as an agency group is we we focus on psychology and and human behaviour, but like, so importantly, we actually focus on the humans that we're marketing to rather than seeing them as just conversions. Um, so really having that chance to look at who the customer is, you know, where they can be found, and how we can link the client to it, and you know, we were able to you know, spend time and money doing actual customer research, you know, doing surveys, speaking to real people and putting together, you know, strategies that that wouldn't have been possible before the pandemic because that that, that time and, and budget wasn't available. You know, all of that that kind of stuff is, you know, uh, people listening to this listening to this might think that's just normal activity but um yeah it's having that luxury to be able to actually sit down and put out a real uh decent strategy the other thing we found was with um everyone moving online uh, outside of the grip of their their business IT departments is they were able to use Facebook and other and other social media platforms a lot more so uh, suddenly we had a whole new audience of people that we could target across these other channels um, and you know by combining um, social and and display retargeting we were able to really kind of uh, make sure we had a good presence across that whole messy middle um, and you know the upshot was in almost all cases, uh, increases in conversions. Um, as far as things that necessarily didn't work, I can't, 
this sounds this sounds like rubbish, but I can't think of one off the top of my head that had a that didn't work perfectly well. I don't know if I pass over to you, Brandon, and I'll have a think. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you made a bunch of great points there. I think two things um, myself and Stack Adapt as a whole could probably relate to really well, especially in the past year and a half, is number one, finding a good balance between paid and organic media in the B2B space is, is always a challenge because marketing for a B2B product, let's say it's a payroll product, targeting a payroll manager is very different than targeting a consumer for uh, the latest gaming console device. I think they're you know a- apples and watermelons uh, from a comparison standpoint. And I think the second second thing that really resonates from what you said is taking a step back and looking at who we're targeting as people instead of conversions and leads is is especially important because above marketing for a product, you're you're targeting real people, and you have to you know get more insight into who they are beyond just their role, what's the best way to reach them and, and actively communicate you know, the benefits of the software or the product you're trying to market to a person whose live is probably at the beginning of COVID just as flipped upside down as yours, where most of us were adjusting from working in the office every day to working completely remotely with uh, a very different environment in, in the workplace setting. But I think we we found a lot of uh, a lot of different things that worked really well for us. Um, one thing that you know I could say off the top of my head that you know maybe didn't work so well is we found when we were reintroducing programmatic channels to a variety of B two B clients, if we were to compare you know different media channels, apples to apples. So let's say we're we're talking about programmatic display in more of an upper funnel prospecting capacity versus very bottom funnel you know, search, which Sounds like you you know very well. Um, the performance is often going to be very different, and we found that any time we were being compared apples to apples to a much lower funnel strategy as a whole, it didn't tend to shine very well on you know programmatic as a whole compared to what you could see in an isolated fashion just running search. But being able to change that narrative a bit and show how programmatic, social, and search could all work together to identify you know users that would benefit from whatever b2b product or solution you're selling and moving them through that conversion journey using more top of funnel channels like even ctv video and programmatic display nurturing them exposing them to really relevant content and then retargeting that user on social search linkedin whatever it is we saw that you know the the injection of programmatic into a much larger media strategy tend to work really well but I think gone are the days where you can show a, a payroll manager one display banner and expect them to click through and sign sign up for a very expensive product. And it takes a lot more nurturing and lead time you know, for, for a marketing team to do that effectively. And it's something we, we went through a lot of education with, with a lot of our clients in that you, know, you can't just rely on, on programmatic media on its own and you can't just rely on search and social on its own and it's it's the combination of all channels working together that that really helps move the needle when it comes to you know b2b lead gen in, in an online environment yeah it's interesting that you say that because when it comes to the remarketing side uh the, like both google run and programmatic run um 
we did see that you know uh, campaigns and strategies that were you know running along very well before the pandemic um, across the board for a lot of clients dropped in in conversion rate you know cost per acquisition rose and we did you know have to you know change tack and and you know the, the campaigns that were successful is where we introduced more touch points across more channels and i think it is you know people were just doing more um they were spending more time considering um uh, you know their purchase and as you say you know gone are the days where someone will see one remarketing ad and then be tipped over the edge you've really got to uh, keep working with them to identify you know what their pain points are and and show your your product or service is is the one for them but um yeah that happened across a lot of our a lot of our clients Rob, I, I wanted to jump back to a point that you made earlier. You were talking about this idea of observing the psychology of customers. When you were building ads during the beginning of the pandemic, was you know the idea of being empathetic and careful about your messaging, was that something that was top of mind when you were building out your campaigns? Absolutely. And obviously with all of the restrictions, you can't directly, you know, address, you know, COVID or the pandemic in your, in your ads, but you can, you know, be empathetic, as you say, in your tone of voice and the way that you're approaching people. Um, so, uh, you know, with our, with our strategies, we, you know, we use a number of different of tools to base, um, our work on. Um, so we do some bits with like Fire Theory and, and Ocean. But ultimately it boils down to when we're creating ads, we create um we, we test against three different um user drivers. And so not everyone is approaching a product or a service for the same reason. And everyone has different contextual, rational or emotional reasons for you know why they would want to buy something um but we did definitely see that the emotional uh ads like took a front uh, a front seat there and the ones where people are talking about um sort of safety a feeling of uh being part of a community um trust those kinds of messages um definitely had bigger impact after the, the the pandemic struck than they had ever done before. Um, prior to that, you know, we would have said, although there wasn't even mixed, but people who are more rational, you know, in their purchases, they want to know facts and figures, costs, you know, uh, reviews and things like that. That that dropped a bit, and so we were definitely, yeah, those empathetic, emotional messages were where we saw a lot of focus. Absolutely. So before we head off to our break, I have another question that I wanted to ask both of you. And I had mentioned this to you before we we hopped on the episode, but there was a survey that eMarketer put out and they found that 74% of individuals believe that account-based marketing has now become this really critical part of a marketing mix for B2B. So I'd, I'd like to know how significant do you think that ABM is as we head into the coming months and why? So things like capturing your ideal customer profile, maintaining ROI, things like that. How valuable is ABM in the future of B2B marketing? I think it's incredibly important. You know, those customer profiles, um, 
you know, allow a marketing team and a sales team to really kind of coordinate and, and, and make sure everyone is, is driving towards the, the same goal. And you're able to tailor those, those ad messages to the, the kinds of business that you want. And it does ultimately drive a higher ROI. The thing that we've seen with, with ABM though is you, you, you can't forget the, the, the wider, more generic advertising. Um, you know, like you can have those really tailored focused ads, but if you're not visible in, in that marketplace elsewhere, then like the effectiveness is, is a little bit weaker. And the other thing is, you know, if you don't have the time to really get out there and do proper research with the actual customers, sometimes what your client thinks is their target audience. It isn't. You know, we, we have had some clients who've been very surprised by, you know, at the end of a campaign, like the people who are actually buying their product are not the ones that they thought were the demographic they were, they were after. And, um, and so if you go full bore into account-based marketing, you can miss that opportunity. And, and like I said earlier, the thing that, you know, really worked well within the pandemic was having that time to actually do that research, which, you know, potentially that budget might not have been available for before. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not going away and um, it's, you know, it is going to be a really big part of the mix going forward. Yeah. And I mean, further to that and Matt, not, not to put you on the spot, but even looking at Stack It App's internal marketing, we're obviously very focused in, in the B2B space for when we're looking to generate leads and new customers. And I think based on everything you know, we've talked about and we've seen, ABM continues to be a really important part of Stack It App strategy where we're fairly familiar with our standard uh, media buying profiles and, and where Stack It App has been built to, to best serve agencies and brands needs. But that being said, you know, even looking at the release of uh, our commercial in June, uh, which was just a, an awesome splash in our rebrand, that wasn't just ABM targeting. It, it definitely was a broader, a broader push to make sure that we're out there because, you know, we don't, we don't always know who's, who's going to be using um, Stack Adapt outside of our, our very defined audience profile. And Working with the combination of the two is has always been a pretty important part of Stack Adapt's internal marketing strategy, and shifting focus and looking a little bit to you know the customers we work with. ABM when we are working in the B two B space is uh, always an important part of our recommendation, but not the only one. Where you know if if we are going to be leveraging a, an ABM portion of our campaign, we would probably look to an awesome audience provider like Don and Bradstreet, who works really well in the space or even working with Bombora and their Surge product to identify the most relevant people possible, you know, engaging with uh, relevant content online. But as we move forward to, you know, more of a, a cookie list and IDFA media world, um, it's important that we're still honing in on ABM strategies as best we could as a strong complement to a broader marketing message where similar to different channels, working with the two in tandem uh, in our experience, often yields the most positive results. Brandon, that's interesting that you mentioned that because that's something that, uh, especially within our marketing organization at StackedUp, we think about constantly is how can we provide the most relevant information to the people that we're marketing to and how can we get them excited about the product and how can we give them ideas and and have higher level conversations. And I think for a lot of B2B marketers, that's really what they're looking for is to 
get potential users or potential customers excited about the product. And that comes through providing things that are very relevant to them. So with that in mind, I think what what we can do, and uh, Brandon, you mentioned IDFA, we will be talking about that after the break. So we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the future of B2B marketing and some key insights that marketers can use going forwards. You know your advertising should be multi-channel. So why isn't your ad platform? StackAdapt offers multi-channel advertising solutions across native, display, video, connected TV, and audio. With access to all of the major exchanges and more than 55,000 publishers. As if that wasn't enough, StackAdapt is also the highest rated programmatic ad platform according to G2. It's time to elevate your digital ad campaigns. Request a demo at stackadapt.com. StackAdapt, how agencies thrive. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're joined by Rob from Reflect Digital and Brandon from StackAdapt. For this half of the episode, let's talk about some trends in B2B. And before we headed to the break, Brandon, you actually mentioned uh, IDFA, so the identifier for advertisers. And on the heel of this, there's been a lot of speculation about this notion of an identity crisis for B2B marketers. So with everybody being very particular about how users are tracked and publishers need to be more transparent about how user data is collected and used, um, how do you think this impacts the stages of the advertising cycle from planning, buying, optimization, and reporting? From my side, it's the, the, the whole IDFA situation has been... It has been hugely disruptive and obviously it's impacted a lot of our, our data acquisition and, you know, the, the things that we assumed and planned before it happened, you know, went out the window. Um, so, you know, things that we enjoyed, like, you know, the the very detailed lookalike audiences and, and the ability of the Facebook algorithm to, to make, you know, very good choices for us on, on, on bidding. For 50% of the market with with the Apple devices going just going away, it it did it, yeah, it did have a, a big problem. But you know, without <laughs> wanting to sound like a shill, that is that is why we actually, you know, approached and started working with you guys at Stack Adapt. Um, because we were able to, you know, see the the opportunity with the the tools that you had. So the ability to you know use the pixel to um, to tag all of the the programmatic display, and we were using that to basically supercharge our our, our user lists and um, and fill them with with more users that we could use you know the full Facebook suite of tools for. Obviously, it made no change on on the Apple users, but it meant we could you know fill that audience list with more uh, you know Google devices. And you know we've seen a big uplift in in um, in performance since. It does mean that yeah, all of the reporting and and things need to be you know, have a massive asterisk on it whenever we're talking to clients now, which is you know um, it gets a little bit tiring sometimes. You know having to you know um, explain that every time, but um, you know we are back to seeing good performance through uh, through Facebook. And ultimately, you know, we work in a world where, you know, entities such as Apple, Google, Facebook can make a change at a whim. And we are completely out of control of that. 
And, you know, that won't change. And it's been there in the past, uh, like on an organic side, all of the different algorithmic changes from Google. And it's just about being adaptable and, you know, not being too stuck in one way of working. So, um, you know, it breathes a, you know, a breath of fresh air into, into the, into the strategies. If we look at it that way. And, you know, we always like looking for, for new opportunities. So I think when we try to look at the adjustments and changes that come within the industry as a whole from some of the major players like Google or Apple or even Facebook in some instances, it's as marketers that work in the digital media space, sometimes it's hard to take a step back and understand why the changes are in place. And it's important to you know, put your consumer hat on and understand why, you know, a decision like Apple's is being made to enhance, you know, their their user base and, and trust in their privacy while at the same time balancing, you know, what we do for a living, which is selling programmatic media strategies to improve performance for a variety of, of marketers we're working with. It, it's really hard to be kind of stuck in the middle of, you know, we're, we're consumers too, but we need to find ways to, you know, enhance our performance when you do get Delta crutch like IDFA 2.0 or Google's announcement that cookies are going to be going away, even though they pushed it back a year, that's still coming. So, you know, as I can, I can speak more specifically to Stack Adapt as a platform, and we've been able to pivot fairly strongly to using more in-house audience solutions that don't rely on, you know, user identifiers that that will be or already have gone away in the long term have have allowed us to continue to excel in, in the targeting space you now within the industry as a whole. But having to adjust sometimes very quickly um, is obviously a hand that not everybody can work with on, on such a whim. And I think it entails a lot of um, trying to look into the future to assume what's next. Um, we're at Stack it up very, very comfortable with where audience targeting and, and cross-device solutions are today. And I think it's about trying to identify what's to come tomorrow. We, we already know cookies are going away. We already know, you know device privacy is going to continue to grow and enhance user privacy. And it's how do we, how do we adapt and adjust to what you know, the market is going to look like two years from now to continue being able to provide support and performance to you know, partners like Rob and, and his agency where they still have mandates from their clients on you know, lead volume, lead generation, all the way up to brand awareness, affinity, and, and cross device tracking. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting ride so far. And I'm sure over the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot more uh, privacy implications come into play that impact how we're structuring our campaigns. But I think overall, as an industry, it's it's still really exciting to see you know what what these new regulations do in terms of innovation and product development. And if you want to look at it from a positive, it means that, you know, technologies like ourselves and agencies and, you know, their, their helms like Rob have to continue to adapt and innovate, not only to survive, but to excel in, in a space that's consistently changing. I, I think like the, one of the most important things you touched on there is, yeah, just acknowledging that it is better for consumers in the space and it's easy for us to get a chip on our shoulder as marketers and but we shouldn't lose sight of you know the reason why i completely agree with what you said 
Absolutely. And this puts us just about at our time for the episode, but I, I, I think that the general consensus after speaking to both of you is that we can all agree that the way the whole B2B space is operating and the way that businesses operate going forwards has changed significantly throughout the pandemic. And the key to success has been being adaptable and also you know, pivoting where you need to pivot. So as we move away from this notion of the old normal and, and we look forward into the latter portion of 2021 and even into 2022 with this you know, remote first hybrid business world, um, how significant do the two of you think the last 18 months have been? Do you think that as the world reopens, we'll ever revert back to what pre-pandemic B2B marketing looked like? Or do you think things have changed forever? I would I would say it's extremely significant. I mean, it, it's tough to speak to the B2B space as a whole because every organization is different. But I think if anything, the past year and a half has really forced, you know, people like Rob, people like myself, and you know, broader tech as a whole to like my previous point, innovate and identify new and more efficient ways to, in the B2B space, generate lead volume or generate awareness that maybe wasn't being leveraged to its full capacity beforehand. And I know a big part of, of B2B as a whole from our experience has always been conferences and big in-person events. And we're starting to see that come back a little bit, but I'm of the personal opinion that I don't think it'll ever reach the, the pre-pandemic levels of you know, people on conference tours and event tours all across different regions on a week-to-week basis. I think it, the past year and a half, if anything, has shown us that, you know, in the B2B space, marketers can continue to execute on large and broad campaigns and innovate in a way that takes away from the, the requirement of being present at every conference, every massive event, and still yield the same, if not better, results as beforehand. And the other big piece over the past year and a half outside of just how, you know, the, the change in, in workflow has impacted us as, as people that work at various organizations. It's, it's also come with a lot of new privacy laws. Like we, we just talked about that has also forced us to pivot. So I'd say that, yeah, overall the past year and a half, almost two years has not been insignificant in any capacity and has really changed and pivoted the way B2B marketers are, are executing their media. And, I would say hopefully, hopefully for the better. Rob, what are your thoughts? Uh, it is hugely significant, and I don't see us ever going back to the way it was. Um, I mean, face to face is never going away, and you know it will be a preferable um, you know uh, way of dealing with people. But you know what this last eighteen months has given us is the opportunity to actually demonstrate what is possible without. You know, these traditional conferences, um, especially for more sort of like conservative industries like big corporates, you know, getting a um, marketing or sales director to, you know, to not go to the conference that they've gone to every year for the last, help, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever it may be and say, you know, spend your money online and you'll probably see just as good a performance. That would never have happened. And, you know, we've, you know, lots of industries have been able to demonstrate that. That isn't, you know, the same for every industry, obviously, you know, it's a very broad brush statement, but many have seen that happen. Um, but even for things like conferences, like there's, there's things that are changing for them for the better as well. They still have the, the face-to-face version of it, 
but they have you know digital aspects where that is delivered to like now a wide global audience who would never have had the opportunity to get involved before everyone's much happier of being on a on a video call or a, a digital uh, presentation whereas i think 18 months ago most people would have recoiled at the idea of being you know being seen on a video <laughs> And so I think there's just lots of exciting opportunities moving forward that you know are now possible because of what's been you know tested over these last 18 months. With that in mind, that pretty much puts us at time for the episode. So uh, on behalf of myself, our listeners, Rob and Brandon, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on this episode. And to the B2B marketers that are tuned in, I hope you took away from this episode and you took away as much as I did. So uh, we're really looking forward to seeing everyone succeed in their upcoming campaigns. So thank you, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode today. If you like what you heard, it would mean a world to us if you do these three things. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review. If you're listening to this and know someone who would find this episode valuable, please share it with them. And finally, please share it on LinkedIn. If you have questions or feedback or would love to learn how agencies or brands work with StackItApp, find us at www.stackitapp.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.